In the name of God, amen. Let's be seated. Well, you know, a bishop is not supposed to have favorites when it comes to congregations, and I don't. But I have to say that our Savior Hillendale is one of those congregations that whenever I think of you and I think of the extraordinary things that you are doing in response to God's work among you, I find my heart filled with joy. And so I want to say to you this morning how excited I am to be with you, um, to greet you on behalf of all of your friends across the diocese, to say publicly congratulations to your rector for having completed his own Doctor of Ministry this year, to welcome your new associate priest, Francisco Valle, your new intern, Robert Phillips, and to say hello to all of you. I also, um, I also am very mindful of how you are stretching yourselves and working hard to be faithful to all the potential that God has put before you. And so as I look at your bulletin today and the announcements about stewardship, I want you to know that you can count me in, that I will be making a pledge to our, our Savior's Hillendale this morning, and that we in the diocese are also um, very happy to support you in your ministry because of the amazing things that God is doing here and how you are responding in his name. Good work, our Savior, Hillendale. There's one thing I would like you to take away from my words to you this morning is the last sentence from the Gospel of John, so I'm going to read it again. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. You know, there's a story in the Bible about a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Do you remember that one? And she was condemned to die. And uh, Jesus was present when the Pharisees and the religious leaders were about to stone her to death. And they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, and the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Jesus bent down and started writing with his finger in the dirt. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, well, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone against her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, one by one, they went away. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. And he straightened up and said to her, my sister, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I. I do not condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. You see, Jesus, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. There's another story in the Bible about Jesus having dinner with 
tax collectors, the most hated of political authorities, one of their own kind who collected taxes on behalf of the empire and kept a good amount for themselves. He was having dinner with many tax collectors, the scriptures tell us, and other sinners. Who knows what their sins were? And the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors and grumbled among themselves and said to his disciples, why does your rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, well, those who are, who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. One final story in the Bible. This is, you recall, Jesus' first encounter with Simon the fisherman. And Simon had been out with his companions all night long trying to catch fish, and they didn't catch a single one, right? And Jesus is standing on the shore, and he says to them, why don't you go out into the deep one more time and put your nets down? And Simon answered, Master, being kind, you had no idea who this guy was. Master, we've worked all night, and we haven't caught a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when he had done this, he caught so many fish that his nets were beginning to break, so he had to signal his partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter realized what this meant, he knelt before Jesus, and he said to Jesus what we heard Isaiah say before God, Depart from me, Lord. Don't have anything to do with me. I'm a sinful man. I just want to be clear about that. I am a sinful man. And Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. You're the one I want. From now on, you and I are going fishing for people. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. What is condemnation? It is the most dramatic and extreme form of judgment. To condemn someone means that you express complete disapproval of that person, and you typically do it in public. So to add shame to the experience. To condemn someone is to punish that person with the most extreme form of punishment, often death, right? To condemn someone is to cause another person to suffer or to live in extremely difficult conditions. God did not send the Son into the world to do that. So, if Jesus doesn't condemn us, my friends, who does?
we condemn ourselves, don't we? We all have this voice inside our heads, this finely tuned inner critic, don't we? A voice that criticizes us and sometimes condemns us. And that voice will tell us again and again that we are insufficient, we are unworthy, and listening to that voice, we can feel embarrassed and ashamed. It can happen in an instant. I was, I was reading about a colleague that I admired the other day, and as I was reading about this person who was, is a person of great accomplishment, right? I found myself inside feeling smaller and smaller. And compared to this person, I felt inadequate and ashamed. And my response to that, you know what I do when that happens to me? I try to run as fast as I can to catch up with that person, to be more like that person, because I'm not comfortable being myself. That's how I typically respond to that voice. I try to pretend that I'm someone I'm not. How do you respond? Here's how another woman responds to that voice. She, she told me about it. It was the first time she remembers hearing it when she was just a little girl. And she was at Girl Scout camp learning how to swim. And all the girls were divided into groups to, according to their ability or what their teachers thought they could do. And she was so happy because they put her in the intermediate group, which sounded so much better than the beginner's group. But when the time came for the testing, she didn't pass the test. And her camp counselor told her that she needed to go back and be in the beginner's class. And there was this voice inside her that told her that she was not good enough, that she would never be good enough. And she felt ashamed. And after that, she said, she decided not to swim anymore. You know? How do you respond? Sometimes we turn around and we condemn other people as a way of feeling better about ourselves. We actually do this quite a bit, often without realizing it. Do you remember that story in the Bible about Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector at prayer? Do you remember that? So two men are coming before the altar to pray, and the one who was the better man of the two, right, in the eyes of the world, and certainly in the eyes of himself, he said to God, oh Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people, especially like that sinner next to me. Now, that is arrogance in the extreme, but I suspect that at the heart of all such arrogance is a voice inside of shame. And we make ourselves feel better by condemning someone else. A friend of mine calls this our inner scorecard. And on our scorecard, we evaluate how we're doing in comparison to other people. It's a way, as St. Paul says, of puffing ourselves up 
in order to drown out that voice inside, either the one we hear inside ourselves or that other people have spoken to us that we've internalized. So, let me tell you just a little bit about today, and then I'll bring this sermon home. Today is a day in church, and you might have caught it by the words of the collect of the day. You can read them again if you want to. But I think the essence of the prayer, which I was telling Robert before we started the service, is not one of my favorite prayers. I think the essence of it is trying to help us all for just a moment to think about what God is like. When God isn't doing anything in particular, but just sitting around being God, right? And for just a moment, we are asked to consider shifting our perspective away from ourselves and to imagine what we look like and what the world look like, looks like from God's perspective. Just imagine that for a moment. Think about God looking at you and me and all of us and this wonderful and broken world. Now it's actually, truth be told, this is an impossible task for us because we can only know about God what God chooses to reveal to us. And so as Christians, we start with Jesus and we ask ourselves, what does Jesus tell us about God? And what Jesus tells us about God is that God does not condemn us. We may condemn ourselves. We may spend a lot of needless time condemning other people. But God does not condemn us. God does not condemn the people we condemn. So the next time you hear that voice inside your head, try replacing it with this, the voice of Jesus saying to you, I do not condemn you. You need not condemn yourself. He wants you to feel the same and to offer the same love that you would offer your very best friend in the very situation you find yourself in. And whenever you find yourselves even mildly criticizing another person, hear Jesus say to you, I don't condemn that person. Please stop. Please stop. I did not come into the world to condemn the world. Take your scorecard, throw it away. Treat yourself and those around you with kindness and love. Why? Because God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that all of us might be saved might know love and peace and joy and goodness through him. Amen.